You guys listen and you watch and you consume Locked On Vols all offseason long, and I can't thank you enough for that. You know what I think. What's the national perspective of Tennessee entering the 2023 season? What are they saying about Tennessee? That and a whole lot more SP Plus rankings. All that. It's your Friday, Locked On Vols. You are Locked On Vols, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome into it. This is Locked On Vols, your go-to Tennessee Volunteers podcast each and every day. We're a part of Locked On Podcast Network. That is your team every single day. And uh, shout out to everydayers. Thanks so much for watching, listening, and uh, doing that every single day of the week. We have been covering the scrimmage that was on yesterday's show and uh, some more reaction, a little bit more of that here today, but primarily really pumped for this show. Going to talk with J.D. Pakel of the On3 Network. Um, he, he hosts the the Hard Count three days a week on the On3 YouTube channel. I've gotten to know him over the last year working with On3. He's a really solid dude, and I think he's got a bright future. That's coming up in a matter of seconds. The SP Plus rankings, what the hell are those? Why is it relevant, and what does it say about Tennessee? What's that mean for the 23 season? We'll touch on that in segment two. And there's an article from Saturday Down South. I'm going to react to it. Five areas where Tennessee should improve and five areas where Tennessee could be worse in 2023. That's your Friday show, and let's go ahead and get into it. J.D. Piquel of the On3 Network. Had a chance to catch up with him earlier this week. Here's my conversation with J.D. JD, appreciate you joining the uh, the show, man. Uh, let's get right down into it. Tennessee, you talk to a lot of coaches, a lot of players, a lot of national media members. I want to ask you, kind of, what is the overall thoughts of Tennessee, kind of entering uh, this twenty twenty three season? I think they're dangerous. I think last year they kind of snuck up on a lot of people, and Hendon Hooker happened, and Jalen Hyatt happened, and. I don't know they're really sneaking up on anybody this year. I think we've seen Joe Milton go viral however many times now, throwing down backflips and <laughs> launching oranges 90 yards. So I think last year everyone was thinking like, oh, yeah, maybe they could be that team. Like you heard the, the dark horse label thrown on Tennessee a lot. Well, this year it feels a lot more like if Joe Milton and if Josh Heupel and company go out and score in the 38 to 40 points a game, like it's not really going to catch everybody by surprise, maybe the way it did last year. So I think Tennessee has definitely solidified themselves as one of those teams that's going to be in, in the top tier of the conference, at least to start the year. Again, what do you see that pegging order? I, I know SEC Media Days has, has come and gone, and Tennessee was voted second in the East and uh, you know fourth overall behind uh, LSU and, of course, Alabama uh, and, uh, and Georgia. Um, but what, do, what do you see that pecking order, and do you think the AP poll kind of got it right, Tennessee at 12, coaches poll Tennessee at number 10? Yeah, you know, in, in regards to that first question with the pecking order of the SEC, I think so. I mean, I think at this point in time with what we know about LSU, what we've seen from Alabama historically, there's kind of some goodwill probably baked in there right now with where Bama is and then Georgia being Georgia. Like four is probably where I feel comfortable with them. The AP poll and the coaches poll, man, it's, it's so great that we have it so we can talk about it and <laughs> you and I can have a conversation about it. I truly put less than no stock into those rankings. I'm very excited to see where Tennessee is after that Florida game and how we're perceiving them nationally and how they look at, at the eye test, at least. I think they're probably somewhere in that top 10 is where I would put them at this point in time, or if not top 10, maybe right at number 10. So kind of on that fringe. So, I mean, the, the AP poll and the coaches poll kind, kind of is what it is. But I mean, Eric, I'm sure you feel the same way. 
I can't wait for us to actually start playing football and be able to actually assess with our eyes and really see what this team's going to end up being. Yeah, talking season is the longest season <laughs> out there, right? And yep. you love to love to actually get them, get them out there, watch them, report on them, analyze on them, and see how each team responds from one week to the next. You know, you, you got enough Tennessee connections. You know, you and I have had many, many conversations. I know you talked to Brent and a lot of other people. Uh, you know, sounds like the defense is poised to take another step. Sounds like Tennessee's got some weapons at wide receiver, at running back, offensive line questions. But again, uh, especially in this offense, it all comes back down to that quarterback. And we won't know until we see him do it week after week. But Joe Milton, but all the potential in the world. But you saw him play at Michigan. You saw him play a little bit at Tennessee. You saw him play at the end of last year. Uh, what's kind of your expectations for Joe Milton entering the season? So all my expectations for Joe Milton are linked directly to what they can do in that run game. And I think the run game will still be solid and still be able to kind of keep a certain version of what they had last year with Jalen Wright and what they're going to do in that, in that run game. But it's so crucial that they're able to put pressure on defenses running the football because if they're not able to, then the secondaries can kind of sit back a little bit more and that makes the windows a little bit tighter for Joe Milton. And so I, I say all that to say for Joe Milton, if he's able to just play his game and have guys win one-on-one -on, -one on the outside, I think he's going to be fine. And I think he's going to be a guy that throws for a heck of a lot of yards and a heck of a lot of touchdowns. And in my opinion, I think he has a ceiling to be a, a top five quarterback in the country if everything works out the way that it could for Tennessee. So a lot of ifs and a lot of and a lot of maybes at this mm -hmm. point in the year, but I really do think if Joe Milton struggles, we need to make sure we're properly assessing all the things around him because he's got a bazooka for an arm. We've seen what he can do. We saw what he did in the Orange Bowl and the, the clinic he put on in that game. So we know he's got it. We know, we know he's been able to do some good things as a college quarterback, even though people like to throw out the punchline of him being benched at Michigan and him being benched at Tennessee. But, I mean, I really think physically and, and just from him being able to go through those things and be able to kind of be hardened by those things, uh, I'm expecting big things from him this year. You know, I, I know you've heard this. I've heard this. It's, it's kind of one of those narratives around college football. The Josh Heupel offense is a gimmick. Um, it's a system offense, if you will. When you hear that, what, what do you make of that? I think if it's a gimmick and if it's a system thing, then why isn't everybody else running it? Like, I mean, if, if, you, if it really is that simple, it is plug and play, put the right guy in, and good things will happen. I'm like, well, if I'm an offensive coordinator worth my salt, then we're installing that tomorrow, and we're going to score 40 <laughs> points a game. So I think it gets oversimplified. It's kind of a cop-out. Now, do they do things to set up their quarterback for success? 100%. But that's what any good OC would do. You, you, you think with the intention of scoring points, and more often than not, scoring points means setting your quarterback up for success. So I think it's probably not as simple as, as some people would like to make it out to be. I think we're seeing a lot more systems across college football do a version of it i mean we see oklahoma do a version of it see texas tech do a version of it which will spread it out go up tempo you know throw missiles downfield so it's, it's not unique specifically to tennessee but they just catch the most flack in my opinion because of the conference they're in and because of the fact that it's a little bit more unique to the sec with them going up tempo and going that kind of version of offense i know mississippi state does the whole air raid thing or did the whole air raid mm -hmm. thing a season ago They'll transition this coming season. I think it's a little bit of a cop-out, and it still puts a lot on the quarterback's plate to be able to go up-tempo, to get the play in, to get everybody set up. So are there different responsibilities than any other offense? Sure, but I don't think it's just, you know, teeing your quarterback up for an easy day at the office by any stretch. Yeah, and about translating to the NFL, um, you know, Kelsey Poe, Tennessee wide receivers coach, he was asked last week about the recent success of Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, NFL training camps. 
And, and I loved his response. He was like, hey, it, it's our job to get these guys in one-on-one matchups. And that's what the NFL is. You go and win those one-on-one matchups, and that's why they're being successful right now. So I thought that was a really good answer. Um, you look at Tennessee's schedule. You know, Entering the season, Tennessee's going to be favored to win 10 to 12 games. Of course, Alabama on the road and Georgia at home are going to be their two underdog games at this point in time. But I want to ask you about some other games on that schedule. Going to the Swamp, Week 3, Tennessee-Florida is going to be massive. South Carolina at home two weeks later. And then two weeks after that, following an off week, A&M at home and Kentucky down the line as well. But those three games kind of towards the top of the schedule could you know, provide some answers on what this Tennessee team is going to be. Yeah, I think South Carolina is going to be fascinating. I mean, that the whole way that that game went last year, I'm sure Josh Heupel has this one circled, underlined, starred, oh, highlighted, yeah. like really broke out the whole arts and crafts situation to make sure that <laughs> South Carolina is getting their undivided attention. I think Texas A&M is, is curious too, just because of how potent they could be offensively. And now A&M last year, make no mistake, they were not potent offensively, but now you sub in Connor Wegman and you kind of revamp the offense with Bobby Petrino. I think they both will present some interesting challenges. And I think you said that perfectly, Eric, like the answers we're going to get from both those games from a and I'm watching the defensive side of the ball. And then for South Carolina, just how Tennessee kind of answers the call to action in that kind of kind of forum. But uh, we did our whole like win-loss, win-loss thing via TikTok, which I think is a little bit... Di- I mean, I, I don't like doing it, Eric, to be 100% honest with you. I don't think there's a ton of value once you get past September in terms of picking games. But w- when it comes to the game that I'm most concerned about for Tennessee, I think that Kentucky game is one to watch. And now I know Tennessee fans are probably yelling out their screen right now, having heard that. But I think Kentucky is sneaky. I think Devin Leary is a massive upgrade from what Will Levis was last year at Kentucky. And I like what they did uh, in terms of getting Liam Cohen to be to be the OC there. So Kentucky's a team I'm watching in the SEC, and uh, I think Tennessee should do the same. Uh, you're copying off my paper because I've been saying that about Kentucky all <laughs> offseason. I mean, you talk about going from just a bad quarterback play, to be completely honest, to yeah. if he can be what he was before the injury, Devin Leary, 2021. Whoo! Uh, I love their receivers, really good, talented receivers. Um, got some questions about the line of scrimmage, which typically is not one to follow Mark Stoops. So, I think that game at Kentucky is going to be a big one as well. Uh, J.D., you're on the air live show, the On3 YouTube channel. It's the Hard Count with J.D. Piquel uh, every single weekday from uh, – what, what time do you go on again? 11, 15 Eastern? Yeah, you know, so we're on the air Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Then we'll have content, like you said, every single day. So, yeah, I mean, c- come and check us out. But make sure you're subscribed right here to my guy Eric Kane, just crushing it on a daily basis here for Locked On. Hey, we do this thing called, you know, first listen, second listen. You look down the bottom right, we got Locked On SEC, the second listen. But, you know, check out J.D.'s show, The Hard Count. He does a great great job talking with different players and coaches and national media perspectives. Uh, one of the up-and-coming, uh, really on-brand guys in the industry right now, that's J.D. So, can't thank you enough. And out the door, I know you said you don't like doing this, but kind of on that note, putting you on the spot, give me give me a uh, preseason win-loss total for the University of Tennessee. I think nine and three is fair. I think nine and three at this point in time, you leave some room for, you know, maybe surprising a team like Alabama, like you did last year. I think you also leave the door propped open a little bit for just the madness of college football. I mean, Eric, you know, as well as anybody, the variance that we get with 18 to 22 year olds playing, playing a 12 game stretch. Like there's always that potential for you to drop a game that maybe you're not supposed to. That's why I really harp on the Kentucky game. So we'll see what happens. I think nine and three is probably a safe assumption. But if you want to talk about best-case scenario, I mean, if they were to play the way they did last year, they probably have no business losing to South Carolina, and Georgia's Georgia, so I think 11-1 and is also on the table. But 
Regardless, I'm excited, like you said, for us to get through talking season here. We're in like the red zone, about to punch it in and uh, get for some some real football being played. J.D., man, I appreciate it. We'll do it again, all right? Appreciate you, Eric. Have a great one, brother. Good stuff there from J.D. Pakel. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And now let's get into uh, the spreadsheets, the, the stat sheets, the pocket protectors, and the glasses, right? Speaking Josh Ward language with SP Plus rankings. That's coming up next right here on Lockdown Balls. I'll tell you what it is and why it's important for Tennessee. All that and more right after this. But, guys, I want to tell you about our friends, eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure that every player is a perfect fit. It's, it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, I encourage you to head on over to eBay Motors. With eBay a Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your rod to the My Garage and look for the green check to show up that you know that the part will fit or your money is back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts fit guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Hey guys, I want to welcome you back here to a Friday edition of Locked On Vols. We have made it to the weekend and just another day closer to football time in Tennessee. I know you guys are excited about that. Thanks so much for being here, watching, supporting the show, subscribing to Locked On Vols on the YouTube channel. I made the goal of 8K by opening day. We are well past 8,000. We hit that milestone over last weekend. It's all thanks to you guys. Thank you so much for making that happen. And of course, listening, following, subscribing, all that on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Odyssey app, anywhere you consume podcasts, we are there, uh, whether you like it or not. I'm sure you guys, some of you guys and gals are familiar with the SP Plus rankings over at ESPN. Bill Conley, okay? It's not like he's a a hard guy to track down in terms of knowing who he is. Um, Over the college football offseason, he makes a couple of different appearances with his updated versions of the SP Plus rankings. A lot of you guys maybe have seen it or read it, but you don't quite understand what this rankings metric is. No, it's not an AP Top 25. It's not a power rankings, essentially. What an SP Plus rankings are, according to Bill Conley, who does them all, it is it is uh, consumed of three factors, okay? Number one, returning production. Number two, recent recruiting. And number three, recent history. So if you look at the SP Plus rankings that were just released, and we'll get to where Tennessee is in a moment, the top four teams are Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and Alabama. Bill Conley notes up here before we get into the rankings that uh, you look at these four teams, and they're all three of the four teams are breaking in new quarterbacks, new offensive coordinators, and so there could be opportunities for shakeups. But these four teams have also combined to go 112 over the past two seasons, a 95-7 and record in games that aren't against one another. They've claimed six of the eight college football playoff bids. They've earned the right, they've earned the benefit of the doubt essentially to be ranked atop the SP Plus ranking. So that's where that recent success comes in, despite some big time questions at quarterback for Alabama, for Ohio State, and for Georgia. But that's just one factor. The other one, of course, is recruiting and then returning production. Tennessee's typically been favored pretty well, you know, entering seasons by the SP Plus rankings, even when Tennessee was really bad during the Jeremy Pruitt era and uh, towards the end of the Butch Jones era. Uh, But Tennessee comes in in the final 2023 SP Plus preseason rankings. Tennessee comes in at number eight. All right, the Volunteers have a ranking of 22.4. 
and it's considered the third highest offensive SP plus ranking. It's got the 32, the 32nd. Let me try that again. The 32nd. Um, it comes in at number 32. Is <laughs> okay. It's Friday. Give me a break. It comes in at number 32 in terms of the defensive SP plus rankings. There we go. Um, average win. Average wins, 8.9, so essentially nine wins is what it's projecting. It's a projecting Tennessee to win five conference games, and the strength of schedule is considered the 16th toughest in the land. So Tennessee is a top 10 team in the SP Plus preseason rankings, according to Bill Conley of ESPN.com. In case you're wondering who's in the top 10, remember it's returning production, recent recruiting, and recent success. So there's no... Uh, there's no, there should be no reason why you're wondering why Georgia's at one, Ohio State's at two, Michigan's at three, Alabama's at four, LSU's at five, Penn State's at six, Clemson's at seven, Texas is at nine, and of course Tennessee's at eight, and USC is at number ten. Um, this looks very similar to what the coaches poll and the AP poll look like. Again, it's not made to be a prediction or modeled after those polls. This is something different, but a lot of those poll, a lot of those teams that are ranked high in the polls to begin the season obviously have what? A lot of returning production, have recruited well, and have guys ready to step up and take those places. Um, and some of those guys, even though there are quarterback questions, some of those teams still have really, really good uh, good locker rooms and, and good depth and quality depth. Hello, Alabama, right? And so I, I found that interesting there. Tennessee comes in at number eight. Uh, it returns, obviously, uh, a lot of options on the offensive line. You, you brought in, this accounts for the transfer portal additions as well. So it counts in Dante Thornton pairing up with Squirrel White, Romel Keaton, and, of course, Brew McCoy. Uh, Joe Milton is an experienced veteran quarterback, but it's got a click for him, and Tennessee's got one of the deeper running back rooms in the SEC. So that's offensively. You kind of see, uh, in terms of returning production, a potential there. Defensively, Tennessee's got a deep array of defensive linemen that should be able to help the volunteers out this year. Linebacker, you're deeper than you've ever been with a nice array of veterans and young guys. Good recruiting, Aaron Carter, Jeremiah T. Lander that helps that rating up there. Veterans returning production, Aaron Beasley and Keenan Peely from the transfer portal. And then the secondary, a lot of returning production again. <laughs> Hadn't been great all the time, but returning production. And you throw in some newcomers, Gabe Judy Lolly, um, and then you know Jordan Matthews, highly rated four-star prospect, Ricky Gibson and Christian Conyers. So uh, kind of white Tennessee, and you, you look, you had a place kicker as well. Um, at the kicker position. So that's kind of a, a look at why Tennessee, in terms of a returning production standpoint and some of those recent recruiting finishes as well, right around, if not just inside the top 10 each of the past three seasons under Josh Heibel or Cycles. Uh, that's why Tennessee's kind of ranked where it is. Now, Tennessee opponents that are going to be ranked in uh, the uh, the SEP Plus rankings. Again, I mentioned number one, Georgia. Uh, offensively, it's considered number six. Defensively, number two. Alabama's at number four. Offensively, number four. Defensively, number 11. Texas A&M is at number 16. <clears throat> Excuse me. Offensively, number 44. Defensively, number three. It's going to be one of the better defenses Tennessee plays all season long. Florida's at number 23. Offensively, number 25. Defensively, number 41. I don't think offensively they're going to go anywhere with Graham Mertz. He is not a good player, in my humble opinion. Uh, Kentucky comes in at number 24. I'm intrigued why Kentucky is behind Florida here. I understand there's still some talent on Florida's roster, and they've recruited well. 
Uh, recruiting might be helping Florida kind of kind of bump up a little bit. But Kentucky brings back a lot of weapons at receivers. They bring back a getting a productive quarterback from the transfer portal. Um, I'm, I'm surprised Kentucky's ranked a little bit below Florida in the SP Plus rankings. Kentucky, number 61 offensively. Now, uh, yeah, that could have been for last year with Will Levis, but I think they're going to be very much better offensively. Very much better offensively. And defensively at number six, South Carolina at number 33. 21st ranking in offense, 61st in defense. Missouri at number 35, 52 offense, number 19 defense. Remember, Missouri's defense last year was pretty solid. Tennessee still beat up on it, but they beat up on everybody offensively. UTSA at number 56, 36th in terms of offense, 80th in terms of defense. That's why I think Tennessee will just run away with that because they won't be able to stop them. Uh, Frank Harris, remember when we did our scouting the opponent? Senior quarterback Frank Harris has accounted for 11,234 yards, 99 touchdowns over the last four seasons. This is his seventh year as a college football player. Vanderbilt's at number 76. Virginia is at number 79. And UConn is at number 125. Keep in mind, there were only 133 FBS programs in the country. So that is a look at where Tennessee is and where Tennessee's opponents are and the SP plus rankings, ESPN, Bill Conley, uh, spreadsheets, simulations, pocket protectors. I love all that stuff as well. And I made the joke kind of going into it. Josh Ward, um, <clears throat> that, that is Josh Ward's language for sure. And we talk about it a lot on Ward Wednesday. So um, if you didn't know what it was, that's what it is. And um, and I'm just ready, as, as J.D. said in segment one, I'm just ready to see him play. Talking season takes forever. I'm ready to get out there and uh, watch this team go to work. Mark Nagy, uh, former sportscaster in the Knoxville area. Um, you know, we're acquaintances. I would say that we're friends. Uh, we don't hang out or anything. I don't know him very well, but we're, you know, we're friendly. I'm in a fantasy football league with him. Uh, he wrote a story over Saturday Down South. I would love to react to it. Five areas of where the Vols are better and five areas where the Vols will be worse in 2023. I agree with a lot of what he says. I completely disagree with one thing, and we'll talk about it at the top of segment number three right here on Locked On Vols. Final segment of the work week right here on Locked On Vols, and we'll get after it on Monday. I'll tell you everything from Tennessee fall camp from over the weekend. Uh, we are When we get back here on Monday here on Locked On Vols, we'll officially be within two weeks until it's football time in Tennessee. Uh, as I teased on the other side, Mark Nagy, Saturday Down South, wrote an article. Um, I agree with a lot of it. I completely disagree with the first point that he makes here. Five areas where the volunteers will be better and worse in 2023, reacting to this right now. He says, number one, in terms of uh, under the column, five areas where the Vols will be better. Number one, offensive line. He says, hey, this is going to be a tough ask because Tennessee's offensive line played very well in 2022. Then Darnell Wright got picked in the first round of the NFL draft. But looking at what is coming back, this could be a special year for the guys up front. There's experience across the board. Ollie Lang, Cooper Mays, Javante Spragans, Jeremiah Crawford, Gerald Mincy. These are all players who have gotten a lot of important snaps. The Vols also have Jackson Lampley, Dane Davis, Miami transfer John Campbell, and Texas transfer Andre Carrick. There were a lot of options there. This group should be a bit better than in 2022. Um, I agree with him that this will be, uh, there's a lot of options available. Sure. But Tennessee's offense led the nation in scoring. Tennessee's offense led the nation in total offense and yards per game and all that type of stuff last year. And you lose a top 10 pick on that offensive line and a four-year starter. Also, you're over the hump in fall camp and you still have no clue who your left guard is. You're still trying to figure out who your right guard, right tackle is. 
There's some serious questions about the offensive line right now. Do I think it's panic mode? No. Do I think Tennessee is going to suck on offense? No. I think Tennessee is going to be fine. I think Tennessee will be a top 10 offense when it's all said and done because that is what Josh Heupel has produced every single year he's been a play caller in this league. Um, so do I? am I overreacting? Absolutely not. But am I being real about things that the offensive line will not be as good as last year? That's just fact, all right? You you can't always get better every single year. It's turnover. You replenish the roster. You turn over the roster. Even in the NFL, free agency, things change. All right. Um, you are on the offensive line, not going to be statistically better than you were a season ago, but you can still be really, really good. But uh, I I would have to agree with Mark on this first one that the offensive line would be better. I agree with him. There's a ton of options. But you got to find some answers, and they're still searching for answers right now. Three weeks into fall camp, uh, number two under the column, the the, the 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 things will be better for the Volunteers this year. The South Carolina game result, completely agree. Tennessee is going to be looking for revenge. Josh Heupel has circled that date ever since being embarrassed in Columbia last year, knocking Tennessee out of the college football playoff race. Um, everything that went on in that game, um, some of the things said to the media. <laughs> There's just um, yeah, Tennessee is going to want to get that game. And as I said at SEC Media Days, and it went viral on social media, and I'll say it again right here, if Tennessee can win that game by 100 points, Tennessee will win that game by 100 points. Big caveat in there is if, if Tennessee can. I'm not saying Tennessee can. Uh, I think it'll be a, a pretty decent game. I think South Carolina's got some, got, got some pieces. But I, I think if Tennessee can absolutely take a team to the woodshed this year, it's going to be South Carolina for a number of reasons, but the biggest one being, I mean, they knocked him out of the playoffs last year in embarrassing fashion, right? Uh, but I agree with that. The South Carolina game result will be different, will be better. Uh, number three under areas where the balls will improve, scoring defense. Points out that Tennessee was 36 in the country in scoring defense last year, averaging only a little over 23 points per game. That was up by a touchdown from the year before, mind you, but uh, still mid-30s. It's kind of surprising. Can Tennessee take another step in scoring defense? Now, yards allowed, Tennessee was like 91st, but you got to take that stat, throw it out the window because you're going to be on the field more than any other defense in America, playing more snaps than any other defense in America because you are complementing in the up-tempo offense of Josh Heupel. Can you improve in scoring defense by a touchdown? Probably not. That was a big jump from the year before. But can you continue to chip away and maybe get into the teens? Would love to see that. Uh, number four here from uh, for, from Mark Nagy. Turnovers forced. Tennessee forced 22 turnovers, 11 interceptions, forced 11 fumbles. I think that number is going to go up as well, so I agree with that. And number five, rushing yards. Tennessee averaged 200 yards on the ground a game last year. Um, I think there's potential to average more this year. I do. I think Jalen Wright's going to be a stud. So it'll be a little TBD to see about that one. But uh, – Easily, that that could be one to where it grows as well because you've got Jalen Wright, you've got Jabari Small, you've got Dylan Sampson, you got Cam Selden that you feel good about. However, Joe Milton's not Hendon Hooker. Joe Milton will not accumulate over 100 yards on the ground like Hendon Hooker did against Florida. Joe Milton might, I think, occasionally, and I think the defense will have to respect it about him, uh, especially on third downs and everything. But I think occasionally he can he can tuck and run. But the escapability, being able when pocket breaks down or he's flush or whatever just to take off and run, that Hendon Hooker was good at that. I'm not sure Joe Milton will be as good. So, you know, we'll have to see. He had that long 70-yard run against um, Pittsburgh all the way back in 2022. I remember that. But 
still he's not Jalen Hyatt. So those are the five things that, uh, that Mark says Tennessee will be better at uh, in 2023, and I agree with all but one in the offensive line. Let's go to the areas where Tennessee will be worse in 2023. Number one, quarterback play. Couldn't agree more. Joe Milton is not going to be Hendon Hooker. Joe Milton is going to be Joe Milton. Even if Joe Milton reaches his potential, his ceiling, does everything right, sure, maybe he could have a statistically better season than Hendon Hooker. But guys, remember, Hendon Hooker should have been in New York. Hendon Hooker should have been a Heisman finalist. Hendon Hooker's quarterback rating and QBR were like second in the country last year. Joe Milton will not be Hendon Hooker this year. But can he still be good? Can he be Joe Milton? And can he be good for Tennessee? I think so. Uh, but quarterback play is going to go down a little bit because, hello, <laughs> you know, Hidden Hooker was an All-American last year and, a, and an All-SEC quarterback. But that's okay. It's not like it's going to be bad, in my opinion. Uh, number two, according to Mark here on, on areas where Tennessee is going to be a little bit worse, big play receiver. I hear you here because I don't think Tennessee will have a Blitnick off forward winner. Maybe. I mean, shoot. Uh, you know, I mean, this offense, who knows? It's hard to replace 15 touchdowns. It's hard to replace 1,200 yards or whatever it is on 67 catches. That was Jalen Hyatt last year. Dante Thornton is going to be a stud. Squirrel White in the slot is going to be a stud. I think Brew McCoy is going to lead this team on the outside. No, oh, yeah, you got Ramel Keaton over there. So, big play receiver? I think Tennessee's got a couple of big play receivers. I truly do. Jalen Hyatt was the home run threat last year. Okay? Is Tennessee going to have a Bolitnikoff threat like that? I don't know. But big play receiver, I think Tennessee's actually got a couple. So I would, I would disagree with this one. Number three, fewer NFL draft picks. Completely agree with that. Boy, it was, I mean, it was top 10 Darnell Wright, and then then you know, four guys went in the third round or whatever. I mean, it was it was fast moving. It was fast, fast moving for Tennessee last year. I don't see in this upcoming NFL draft class Tennessee having as many as from this past year's team. So I agree with that. Field goal kicking. Chase McGrath's 40-yard field goal. This is from our Nagy Saturday Down South. Chase McGrath's 40-yard field goal to beat Alabama will be tough for any future Vols kicker to top. I would agree with that completely. But McGrath was more than a one moment in time. He converted 80% of his field goal attempts last season, had a long of 51 yards. Indiana transfer Charles Campbell takes over place-kicking duties. His career numbers aren't too far away from McGrath's, but it'll take a lot for Campbell to match McGrath at Tennessee. I don't want you to hear me wrong here. Um, I was not a, I mean, some some of my media friends would call me a McGrath hater. I mean, I was never a McGrath hater. He was solid at Tennessee. He was a good kicker. Um, he could hit the long kick, but he was not very accurate. Charles Campbell is much, much more of an accurate kicker from 45 plus. And I think Tennessee's going to be making some longer field goals this season with the Indiana transfer, the Tennessee native and Charles Campbell. So I 100% agree. Charles Campbell's knuckleball 40 yard field goal to beat Alabama. Tennessee legend forever, forever. I don't know if Chase McGraw, I don't know if Charles Campbell will have a kick to that magnitude. You hope so, but I think he's going to be okay. And then number five, scoring offense. Couldn't agree more. Tennessee led the nation, scoring 599 points, averaging 46 points per game. Um, that's not going to happen this year. Now, if Tennessee averages or Tennessee scores 525 points and averages 38 points per game. You say, thank you, take it, and go on. That's still a hell of a year, and that's still top 10 in the country for sure. So, again, I still think this is going to be a good offense. I still think this is going to be a top 10 offense, but remember, where everybody's saying, can you pick up where you were last year, all that type of stuff? Probably not, guys, because the st because last year you were number one and number one, and you had an All-American quarterback. So, 
Um, still can be good. Still could be top 10 in the country, top three, top two in the SEC. But I agree with that right there. The scoring offense probably will not, in my opinion, be better than last year in 2022. Good stuff there from Martin Nagy over Saturday Down South. I encourage you to go read his entire article. I just gave you the highlights and skimmed it over a little bit. It's a free article over there on Saturday Down South. That is going to do it here for this edition of Locked On Balls. Had a whole lot of fun today kicking off the show with J.D. Piquel, the On3 Network. He hosts the Hard Count on the On3 YouTube channel. When you're not watching and listening to Locked On Balls or Locked On SEC or any of our Locked On podcasts, send you over there. He's got some good stuff. He talks to some really great players, coaches, National media members from the SEC, an up-and-comer in the industry, J.D. Piquel of On3. Thank, thanks to him for joining the show. And uh, thank you guys for joining the show. Talking SP Plus rankings and some areas where Tennessee said to improve and uh, regress a little bit in 2023, according to Saturday Down South. Been a fun show. Been a fun week. We'll recap everything that was Tennessee Fall Football Camp on Monday. We are a top 100 football podcast in America, all because of you right here on Lockdown Vols. Thank you, guys. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll do it again on Monday. This is Lockdown Vols.